back, everybody. I'm Harry Douglas, and I'm joined by Cody Sensenball. And we're back to talk some ACC football on Episode 5 of the One-on-Ones Podcast on the Field of 12 Media Network, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Now, Cody, man, college football has been crazy. I mean, crazy in general this year so far. And I think it's the first time in the wild that we actually have some parity across the board when it comes to college football, bro. Right, I agree with that, man. Welcome back to everybody who's joining us. This is the fifth episode. We back at it, back on the grind. Happy to be here with y'all today. But yeah, man, it's been an interesting college football season. Um, I think there's one or two teams that stand out. And besides that, everybody else is is trading places. You know, um, ACC's been struggling, man. Like, oh, yeah. Every time, every time I think we headed in the right direction as a conference, you know, we have a slip up, man. So hopefully this week we can bounce back. Um, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough for sure. All around. How you feeling? How you feeling about us as a whole? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's rough right now. The ACC has it rough right now, man. And, um, we're going we're gonna to get into some stuff that happened this past weekend. And y'all going to understand why we say it's a little rough right now. But, Cody, I want to start out on a high note. You know, I want to start out on a high note. You know, let me, you know what? Let me start my – let me show my shirt first. This thing says grit. Okay. This, this, this shirt says grit. And then underneath it, it says Louisville football. You know, and, and this weekend, I just think the Louisville Cardinals showed some grit. They played Central Florida, man, and the game was crazy as hell, man. Let me tell you how crazy this game was. And for everyone that's listening, with 25 seconds left, um, Louisville star quarterback Malik Cunningham was picked off by the UCF defense. So UCF is in the position to, to win this football game mm. until this happened. An interception, Dylan Gabriel threw an interception that actually hit his uh, intended target. I thought he should have caught the football. I thought, I thought he should have caught the football. Absolutely. And you always say tips and overthrows, you don't want them because most of the time they're going to they're gonna lead to an interception. But that, that interception was returned by Jalen um, Alderman for a touchdown that actually gave Louisville the victory. And for me, man, that, that, that win was so big. Um, I seen Richie Grant last night, who was the Falcons second round, second round draft pick. And I was giving him hell about it. How Louisville, me, Dorian Etheridge was giving him hell about it, about Louisville and central Florida. But I think the sad part about that pick, everything was great, except Dylan Gabriel getting hurt, right? Wow. Him, him getting yeah. hurt on that play. But that game, man, the, the entire night, the game was going back and forth. I was impressed with Malik Cunningham. I think he had over 260 yards passing, had a touchdown passing, had one interception, but he had 99 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Yep. And it seemed like whenever Louisville's offense needed a play, he stepped up big. Marshawn Ford, uh, another guy that I'm high on, had eight receptions at the tight end position, eight receptions, 100 yards, a touchdown. Jalen Mitchell, running back, a guy who came on late for Louisville last year, yep. played up big, 74 yards rushing, a touchdown in that game as well. But I thought in this game defensively for Louisville, and it's no secret now, UCF offense, those guys can play, right? right. They, they got receivers who I know going to play on Sundays. Dylan Gabriel is a, is a solid quarterback in my eyes. But when their defense needed a stop, they got stops when they needed it. They held right. that offense, man, to three for 12 on uh, – two for 10, excuse me, on third downs, and that was huge. That's that winning football. for this defense. That's winning football. That was huge. And it was so big, man, for, for Coach Satterfield – to get that victory to go to two and one because week one against Ole Miss wasn't pretty. Right. I think they played Eastern Kentucky last week. Uh, they won that matchup, um, that game. And then coming in this week, this UCF game on a Friday night when everybody's watching. Third, everybody's third game watching. in 12 days. 
Yep, third game in 12 days. So shout out to Coach Sat, shout out to the coaching staff, shout out to those players, man, for being resilient and going out there and just understanding the task at hand. But this was a big one for my Louisville Cardinals, baby. We two and one with our only loss coming to Ole Miss. And if Ole Miss keeps winning, that loss going to look even a little better down the line. Absolutely, man. That was a hell of a game watching not only as an ACC fan, but as a fan of college football in general, man. It was a it was a roller coaster. It was back and forth. They was trading haymakers. And um, I love the energy you guys played with. I think Cunningham, um, I think he was the best player on the field. You know, he made um, he made some mistakes. But when it came down to it, he made the plays that needed to be made for you guys to win. And the fact that that was you guys third game in 12 days, bigger picture looking at it, I think that says everything you need to know about this Louisville football team, exactly what it says on your shirt. Those dudes is full of grit and they showed it. I mean, hell, we played at the highest level and I couldn't imagine playing three games in 12, 12 days. days. Like that's that's unheard of. That's I want to, if, if I was a Louisville coach, I would go to the NCAA and be like, yo, who made this schedule? Because that's unheard of. I'm pretty sure, and I guarantee that no one else is doing that. But I wanna talk about, obviously the interception at the end, the pick six was great, but I wanna talk about a play from your perspective as a receiver. It was, mm-hmm. it was right before Cunningham threw the interception, before the pick six. And it was a play where he threw it right at the receiver and he hit him on his numbers but the receiver's vision was blurred by the referee right in front of him. And at the last minute, the referee had like ducked down to move out the way. And you could tell it threw the receiver off. And I remember back when I played, that was something that always threw me off was when something would cut in front of your vision when it was time to catch a ball. But I remember watching guys like you and other receivers after practice, you would do certain drills where a guy would like, have his hand in your face or God would walk across in front of you. Tell me what that's like as a receiver, being able to focus on that ball with the distraction going on in front of you. Uh, well, first I'll tell you, man, it's, it's one of the, one of the hardest catches right. to make, right? When, when your vision is being blurred and someone flashes in front of you or a hand flashes in front of you. And that's one of the reasons why we do do those drills um, right. for those type of moments, because everything you want to do, uh, when you're done practicing, done with the games, you want to you make everything as game-like as possible. So we literally used to be on the jug machines when the jug machine is cranked up pretty damn fast. Right. I, and we'll have guys doing their hands like this while, mm-hmm. while, while, while the ball is being shot, just to try to mimic those situations. And I remember even doing little drills in practice in our individual sessions where we have a, def- a receiver that's playing the defender grabbing on us, grabbing on us. Right. And we, we come in, come in stopping and coming back on a comeback route, on an out route. And while we're coming down that stem, they're sticking their, their hand in our face and at the last minute, pulling it away. And it's for those moments, because I'll tell you at the end of the day, and a lot of people who's watching games, oh, he should have made that catch. This is it. Listen, you get out there and try to catch a football. Number one, you were worried about somebody hitting you. Number right. two, your vision is impaired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's more difficult than people watching TV probably understands. Right. But it's it's a lot of different drills that you can do to. It's all about hand-eye coordination. I used to do little drills with cards where somebody would throw a card up, and I have to catch it with these two fingers, or I take mm-hmm. little uh, wiffle golf balls, mm-hmm. right, and catch five with 
with these two fingers, five with these two fingers. And it act, you're actually helping your, your hand-eye coordination, right? right? So the more you, you put yourself in those situations, the more it won't bother you if your vision is impaired a little bit. And I actually seen some plays like that throughout college football the first few weeks. Mm. Um, I remember Chris Alave's catch for Ohio State. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what game it was where CJ Stroud threw it over the defender and it barely got over the defender, defender's hand and he caught it, I think, went in for a touchdown. But his vision was blurred a little bit. Right. And you can tell that he works on drills uh, for those moments because he just caught it and ran it in for a touchdown. But it is a thing. It is, it is difficult to catch a football in those situations. But there are things that you can do to, 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 to help improve it. So to you young athletes out there, man, he just dropped a lot of jewels. Take notes, man. Hey, and to you referees, get the hell out the way because you're going to get somebody hurt. <laughs> man. Get out the way. You know what I'm saying? For real, man. Yeah, so now man. we're going to move on to the next game that I thought stood out a lot in the ACC. And, man, I was counting on the Virginia Tech Hokies, man. I was counting on that defense. I was counting on the receivers, run game. I was counting on everything. But they laid an egg. Virginia Tech mm -hmm. fell to West Virginia 27-21. to And I got to say, from this game, man, quarterback Braxton Burmeister was not comfortable all day. West Virginia ended up with six sacks. Mm -hmm. The man got sacked six times. Now, not only did he get sacked six times, he got six sacked six times, and he's a dual threat quarterback. So that says even more. Right. That says even more, man. And right. I, I didn't think Virginia Tech offensively or defensively. I didn't think I didn't think they 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 owned the line of scrimmage. Uh, West Virginia's running back, Lady Brown, he rushed for 161 yards and a touchdown. That's 8.5 yards per carry. If you're getting that 8.5 yards per carry, your chances of winning are going to be slim. But we say your chances are going to be slim. Virginia Tech still had an opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, Jermaine Waller, a guy who's had an interception in every game so far this year, came up with a huge interception at the end to give Virginia Tech the football. Mm -hmm. But Virginia Tech was terrible in the red zone on that possession. Not only that possession, they was terrible in the red zone the entire day. They got down there multiple times and couldn't come around, come up, come up with touchdowns. And I want to talk about the last few plays, man, because of that game. Because... I, I was I was with my guy Jason Fitz, who I do a lot of ESPN shows with, and Fitz was laughing at me because I was going crazy, Cody. Right. I was going mm -hmm. insane in there watching the games and showing Fitz things on TV. But it's all about do your job, right? So number one, I hate sprint outs. I hate sprint outs because, especially in the red zone, because now you're cutting off half the field and the, right. the defense only has to defend half the field now. So mm -hmm. I already hate sprint outs. Mm -hmm. Second of all, if you're gonna do a sprint out. Um, make sure everyone's doing their job. The outside receiver was supposed to pick on the third down play, supposed to pick mm -hmm. for the inside receiver to run a little out route for the quarterback to throw it to him. So he doesn't get the pick, nor does he even try to get the pick. So I was furious about that. Quarterback couldn't throw it, tried to scramble, didn't get it. Fourth down comes around. They try to do something similar, but add a, uh, a three-man combination to it. They don't get the pick again. So right. I am furious about it. Not only did I not like the play call, but I didn't like the simple fact that the guys for Virginia Tech didn't do their job. Um, and, and, and I say this, not all the time, everybody wants to be Michael Jordan, right? Shoot right. the fadeaway. Everybody want to be Michael Jordan, shoot the fadeaway, score the points, get all the glory. Not many people want to be John Stockton, but sometimes you got to be the assist man. And in those two situations, the wide receiver didn't do his job. Right, because he wanted to be Michael Jordan versus just being John Stockton and his team still being undefeated right now. Right now, it, there's multiple plays in that game that came up that caused Virginia Tech to lose. 
but I'm I'm viewing those last two plays because I'm a I played receiver and I and I've been in no position on those plays. And those plays we ran in Tennessee. Absolutely. So I know what the receiver was supposed to do. And right. he didn't do his job. And it was just heartbreaking for me because as terrible as Virginia Tech played, they still had an opportunity of people just do their jobs in the end. Man, that's the that's the thing with football. It's a game of inches of inches and execution from start to finish is so important. Like when you go back to the first half, these guys were down by 20 points. So you're so you're already in one hell of a hole, yep. let alone you fought through that hole and then you get into the red zone three straight times in the second half and you come away with nothing. That's completely unacceptable. It's, I learned a, I learned a long time ago playing football from an offensive perspective. If you get in the red zone and you don't score seven, it's a waste. As from, from the defensive perspective, if you hold them to three or nothing, that's a win in your book. So the fact that they were able to claw back from that amount down and still not deliver is heartbreaking. And I think that's one of those games and situations that could really define their season. Mm -hmm. You know, because, I mean, they were on the high road. They came out. They busted North Carolina's ass, a top 10 team. Then they go on and win their second game, and then they lose to unranked West Virginia because I don't know whether they overlooked them, whether they didn't lock into the details. I don't know what it was, but I think it was unacceptable how they lost because they were the better team, you know. 100%. 100%. And and, and that defense, man, I was so disappointed in that defense because that defense who who has been the bright spot those first few weeks – Laying egg, they couldn't stop the run to save their life. And then they, I they mean, got think hit of for it, big bro. pass a, plays. Go ahead. <laughs> they got hit for big pass plays. As, a, stop as the a run. fan, as a fan, you got to understand Ada clip is almost like every time you hand it off, that's a first down. Yes. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's that close <laughs> to a first down. And if you can't get off the field, you can't win. Like, and that's just, it was completely unacceptable. And I was, I was highly let down by how they played because of what they had showed us previously. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but I will say this too, though, but Virginia tech, I I can't say this. Um, It shows how good of a team they do have though, because they still had an opportunity to win the game at the end. So that lets you know the athletes they have, the the, the caliber of team that they, they do have. They just got to put it all together. You can't get complacent. You can't get excited. You got to yeah, go out man. there and perform week in and week out because anybody can beat you at any given time. And that's that's what I learned towards the end of my career at Clemson. Early on at Clemson, I felt like we played to the level of our opponent. So if we was playing a Florida State, we would play well. If we played a South Carolina State, we would play down to their level. We weren't mm-hmm. consistent. When you truly become a great program at any level, you start treating every opponent the same. It doesn't matter who you play. It's all about you and your execution because at the end of the day, your goal is to go out there and win no matter who you play. You can't, you can't choose who's on your schedule. Who's on your schedule is selected years in advance besides your conference opponents. So it was, it was upsetting to see, but like you said, man, Virginia tech has a hell of a team. Like I would put them up against anybody in the ACC and that's including Clemson. I mean, no one's looked hands down great, but they're up there with anybody that you want to put them against. So hopefully they get their act together and hopefully they get a chance to climb back up. But that loss is, it definitely, I mean, as you it see, hurt. It, it, hurt the, it, hurt, it hurt, it hurt, it hurt the conference. And, it hurt. and with the way the conference is, 
it's not a lot of opportunities for staple wins. So you have to take mm -hmm. advantage of every Saturday. Let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time because they're offering $250 match bonus for your first deposit. What sets them apart is that they require just one play through to turn your burners into cash money. Now, with your new Rush Play instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, more reliable. With football season kicking off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Got a gambling problem? Please make sure you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, I'm glad you brought up your Clemson Tigers, boy, because I tell you, you talk about a team that looked like they didn't even belong in the top 25 on Saturday was the Clemson Tigers. Now, they struggled against Georgia Tech. They only won that game 14-8. to And for me, man, Clemson offense, I think they're still searching for their mojo. Uh, I just don't think it's there right now. The positive to their offense is that I think uh, freshman running back Will Shipley has taken over mm -hmm. that number one run running back role, had 88 uh, rush yards, two touchdowns against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. But the Clemson defense, they're doing their job, right? You hold a team to eight points. <laughs> they <laughs> haven't given up points. a touchdown all year. That's what I'm saying. They, they, they're doing their <laughs> job, man. Uh, it, it's just that offense is struggling. And – they lost Tyler Davis, and I hate they lost Tyler Davis. I, I hope it's a chance he get to come back. I think he uh, tore his pec muscle. But the offense needs to complement the defense. But DJ, as a passer, I don't think he's an accurate passer right now. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of things that he's trying to muscle the football um, mm -hmm. to the receivers, I don't think he looks confident right now. Mm -hmm. So Tony Elliott and Dabo Sweeney need to figure out how can they get this kid's confidence and his mojo up up to par. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so he can feel like he can do whatever he want to do. And the people who didn't watch this game, this game came down to a fourth and goal. And Clemson's defense had to stop. Yes, I'm saying it. Clemson's defense had to stop a right. Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets offense mm -hmm. from converting a fourth and goal. Now, we just talked about Virginia Tech and how I didn't like their play call. Now I got to get started on Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. You have fourth and goal you got to put the ball in your best player's hands. Mm -hmm. That's Gibbs, the running back. Right. You, you, you got you to get – I can live with the fact that we didn't get that touchdown mm -hmm. if that football is in my – and I understand the Clemson defense is, is stout and they had those guys up front. But I got to take my chances with my horse in that backfield, Gibbs, running that football or some kind of way me giving him that football for him to try to score that touchdown uh, to try to send that game in overtime. Well, no, it wouldn't have been overtime. They would have won. Right. They would have yeah, won it if they would have scored a touchdown. It would have been, it would have been over. They would have yeah. won it. I mean, all they, if their field goal kicker can make a kick, you know, yeah. which I assume he could, you know, it would have been over. But you got to ride or die with your horse, man. It's a guy who was unbelievable last year, a guy who's um, doing what he can this year. But you know, everyone's coming in. Everyone's coming in to play Georgia Tech defensively. They're gaining to stop Gibbs. Right. Right. And, and even with me saying that, First and goal, what was it, from the one or the two, one or two-yard line? I, I got to give him a chance to win, win me that football game. I, I got to give him a chance for me to win that football game. Absolutely. But for Clemson, man, what, what, are, what are you seeing from Clemson right now, though, man? Because Clemson, not the defense. I'm, I'm just saying offensively because defense, I'm not worried about them. The right. offense, to me, is just sputtering. Like, it's just it's, – it's not good. 
Um, okay, we've, we've said everything that needs to be said about the defense. I think they're a national championship caliber defense. Um, yep. They haven't given up a touchdown in three games, which is tremendous, especially in today's game. Their offense, the one positive I can say about their offense from Saturday is what you said, piggybacking off of that. They have found who their workhorse is as a running back in Will Shipley. So that is a good sign. I seen Tony Elliott say after the game, Georgia Tech um, schemed up things to stop Clemson from going uptown and having the big play. And um, to give viewers a better insight, I was at Clemson back in 2011 when Chad Morris brought this same offense into the program. And I noticed way back then, as great as the offense was with the playmakers that we had and still to this day, that offense is built on hitting a home run, mm -hmm. whether whether it's in the air or on the ground. The offense that Clemson runs is so frustrating to me because it's built on scoring in two to six plays. If it can't score in two to six plays, if it's a seven plus, eight plus, nine plus drive, it struggles because it's not built for that. It's built on the home run. And mm -hmm. as we can see as fans right now, the home run isn't there, whether it's play calling, execution. I'm not putting the blame on everybody. I'm putting it on everybody. I'm not putting the blame on anybody specifically. I'm yeah. putting it on everybody as a whole because they're a unit, whether it's the offensive line, QB, running backs, receivers, coaching. They have no identity. <laughs> from, from, from the old line, what I would like to see, yep. they're young, but I think the coaches need to give them a better opportunity to be successful by getting the ball out quicker. Yes. In the run game, every everything not going sideways. Sometimes you got to run straight at people and punch them in the mouth. The quarterback, I think he has everything it takes to be successful, but I need to see his anticipation quicker. It's like he's getting the ball. He's looking at the receiver. Okay, he's open. Now I'm going to throw it. It's too mm -hmm. late. It's too late. It needs to be more anticipation. And as and, 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 and explain to them, uh, in college, you might get away from it, but at the NFL level, what would that what would that be in the NFL level? It's a pick six going the other way. There you go. So that's why it's important. Go ahead. The 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 best quarterbacks in the NFL, they're throwing guys open. You know what I'm saying? When you look at the Aaron Rodgers, the Mahomes, the Brady's, the Russell Wilsons, those guys are throwing receivers open when they're blanketed. But I just want to see a little bit better anticipation for, from him and the receivers. I need to see more separation. And we talked about this last week. Clemson went and recruited the same guy all across the board. All of them are big basketball guys that go, that are straight line guys that out rebound people. They need a mix up in the intermediate game. And until we find that, I think we're going to struggle on offense because. Hell, Georgia laid out the blueprint on how to stop Clemson. Yep. Then Georgia Tech just piggybacked off of that. If you don't give up the home run against Clemson, it's going to be hard for them to score. So I think I think they have to find a better intermediate passing game at just moving the chains and not looking for the home run. It's okay to not rush to the line and get a playoff every 20 seconds. You know, mm -hmm. slow down and focus on execution more, more – quantity I mean more quality less quantity 
And it's just tough, man, because they have all the talent in the world. But from the time they bought in that offense in 2011, whether it was Chad Morris, Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott to now Tony Elliott is still based on the same principles and it needs some retooling because it's not working. And it would be a shame for as great as this defense is, this team doesn't reach their capabilities because the offense isn't adequate. Like right now, it's not even adequate. As much talent as it is, the offense doesn't have to be up here with the defense, but damn, like come, yes. come meet me halfway. You know what I'm saying? Like give me yep. something to work with because if you can't move the change consistently, the change consistently as an offense, it's only going to wear your defense down. And it's only a matter of time before that time on the field catches up with that defense, even if you are getting three and outs. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, and I even say this and it's, and I think this is a, a, might be a little issue that we're having with a lot of college quarterbacks, right? Everybody wants to take the home run versus going to the intermediate game, you know, just, just getting six here, getting seven here, getting eight there. And I'm, and I'm gonna tell you, man, this is how I think about it. Never get tired of make, going to the bank and making deposits. You just making deposits, you making deposits. Ne ne never, never get tired of going to the bank and making deposits. Mm -hmm. Just make that deposit right there, man. It's going in the bank, you good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you ain't gotta go for the home run. The, the big ball gonna be there. Now, when it's there, you take your chances and you hit them. Right. But until they're there, make them deposits in the bank. Make mm -hmm. that deposit over here. I make that deposit over there. Oh, damn, we got a lot of money in the bank now. Keep making right. that deposit. Oh, damn, Cody, look at here. We got a home run. That's right. that big deposit in the bank now. But I, I need these I need these younger QBs to stop looking for the home run so much and, and just take what the defense gives you. And I need offensive coordinators and, and quarterback coaches to understand this too, and head coaches. Take what the defense is giving you. Right? Don't don't press the issue. Don't force it. Right. Take what the defense is giving you. But when the shots are there, you take advantage of the shots that they give you. Right. And you can look at Clemson's offense. There's probably a handful of teams, if that, that can match up with those receivers across the board and play man-to-man -man all game. Their eyes are on the quarterback. Everybody's looking at the quarterback. We got to start throwing checkdowns. We got to start throwing intermediate crossing routes hitches, outs, curls, all that. And hell, even get the running back more involved in the receiving game. That's what will really help open it up. I mean, those guys, from what I've seen, they do a pretty good job of making people miss when somebody's not in their face, yep. when it's handed off to them. Like, get those guys involved. Like, get some Alvin Kamara action, some Le'Veon Bell, some Christian McCaffrey, you know, get those guys involved and help open up the offense for everybody else because it's frustrating because the talent is there. It would be different if you didn't have the horses in the stable to make it happen, but you have, Thanks. you have plenty of horses in the stable, you know? So hopefully they can get it together, man. I mean, they got a good test this weekend with NC oh, State coming up. Yes, so. they do. And I know we're yeah. gonna talk about that later, but you <laughs> yes, know. they do. I just wanna let you guys know about Field of 12 Media, a brand new podcast and digital media network covering college football by the people that know it best. Brought to you by Shoot Your Shot Productions, the folks behind the Field of 68. The Field of 12 gives you insight into the game we all love by the people that have lived it. Trevor Knight and Bryce Petty covering the Big 12. Joshua Perry and Christian Hackenberg are covering the Big 10. Yogi Roth and Ted Robinson on the Pac-12. And of course, we'll continue to be your go-to source for everything ACC football. Check the links below to find the rest of our shows. The Field of 12, where college football lives. 
Now another game, man, that that was that was I thought was an unbelievable one was I call it the shootout Ooh. between uh in Chapel Hill was North Carolina versus Virginia. Uh, North Carolina won that game, fifty-eight to uh, thirty-nine. But for me, it was quarterback Sam Howell versus quarterback Brendan Armstrong. Sam Howell had three hundred seven yards, five touchdowns, fifteen carries, hundred twelve yards. But Brendan Armstrong had five hundred and fifty-four yards passing and four touchdowns. And for me, right now. Brennan Armstrong is the best quarterback in the ACC right now. He's number two in college football behind Jake Hayner of Fresno State in passing yards. He is the best quarterback in the ACC right now. And I never thought in a million years I'd be saying that uh, <laughs> Brennan hey. Armstrong, and there's no knock on him. There's no knock on him. It's just that I thought with DJ Wangale and, and um, Sam Howell and mm -hmm. De'Aaron King, I thought those three guys would be the outstanding quarterback in the ACC. But no, it's not. Right and now, it's, it's Brennan Armstrong. Just so we clear, and I'm gonna get right back to you. He's the best quarterback by a mile. It's not oh, even yeah. close. Like it's it's not even close. So, and I, I did like transfer uh, that North Carolina had from Tennessee Ooh. running back Ty Taylor. He was this running that thing. That man <laughs> ran for 198 yards and two touchdowns. The team, the, their team, North Carolina's team as a whole, rushed for 392 yards and three touchdowns. Well, I don't know how the hell Virginia, but for me. North Carolina was so balanced and Virginia, and, and Virginia wasn't. Virginia was just mostly pass game. North Carolina, it was run and pass. And even Josh Downs, man, the two receivers in this game, Josh Downs for North Carolina had eight for 203, two touchdowns. And then the TV and um, uh, Wicks, he had seven for 183 and a touchdown for Virginia. So mm -hmm. the battle between those two receivers, um, those two quarterbacks, but I think in the end, North Carolina prevailed because they were able to do it on the ground and in the air versus Virginia just being able to do it in the air. The fact that the game was even in question at, at moments in time was crazy. Yeah, I got to give it up to Armstrong for UVA, man. He had a hell of a performance and they still lost by 20. <laughs> like, and you know what it came down to? How did he lose by 20? You didn't pass for, for over 550 yards and four touchdowns and you still lose down, by... <laughs> it came down to Sam Howe having more help. That's what it came down to at the end at the end of the day. Uh Todd Chandler, like you said, man, he was toting that thing. He had a hell of a night, 198. Josh Downs, I gotta give it up to him, man. I like him as a receiver. We, we talked about him in we the first episode, remember? Yeah. We talked about him. I get <laughs> I gotta give you credit for that because you threw his name out there. And man, he is the real deal. I, I like him a lot as a receiver. And I must admit, I was wrong last week. Not only was I wrong about picking Virginia. I picked them because I expected their secondary mm. to hell. Obviously, they didn't stop Sam <laughs> Hell, but I expect at least them be decent, <laughs> decent or limit him and frustrate him. And they didn't do that at all. But you got to give it up to Sam Howe, man, because he played a hell of a game. And that's what we were expecting from him week one. So I hope yep. he can continue that. He's a hell of a player. And if he keeps that up, man, it's going to be tough, tough tough beating UNC if their defense can get a little bit more discipline and you know what damn it I'm gonna say it if they did defense live up to the hype <laughs> and not just the damn offense and the defense get both right. of them live up to the hype against right. quality opponents you know what I'm right. saying because mm -hmm. anybody can do it when you're not playing somebody who who might not be that good not saying Virginia is not that good right. I'm just saying in general you know what I mean anybody can do it when the opponent is iffy but when the, when the 
when them big boys come in the house, right. can you do it then? But one thing I'll say is I don't think, from what I've seen so far in the ACC, now obviously this could change, but from what I've seen so far, I don't see them facing a better quarterback than the one they just faced Saturday night. No. I mean, he's been playing at a high level all year, and he is a hell of a player that will definitely be playing on Sundays. But I want to talk about one quote that stood out to me after the game from UNC's quarterback. Mm -hmm. And it piggybacked on exactly what you said last week about defensive coordinators and the matchups they're putting these young men in. Sam Howe, after the game, said... We knew, and this is this isn't quoted. I mean, it's it's his statement, but it's not word for word. So, pardon, pardon, pardon the words I missed. But you already know where I'm about to go with this. I know where you're going. Hal said they knew they were going to get downs isoed on the safety, and every time they did that, they went to him. That shit is listen, and it's, excuse excuse my language, but that shit is really bothering me. It's unacceptable, like, man. And I'm an it's offensive Cody, I'm an offensive guy. So I want the offense to win every chance they get. But the thing is the simple fact that week in and week out, we continuously see defensive coordinators putting these safeties in positions to fail, not to win, to fail. Because, Cody, you play defense. How many safeties you know outside of Ed Reed, outside of Poppy Palomalu, who can guard a receiver? But outside of Earl Thomas and Tyron and Matthew, and we even seen Tyron Matthew get his ass ate up in the Super Bowl last year. So it, it how happened. many safeties have you seen have been able to guard a team's number one or number two wide receiver? None. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, like, it's disrespectful and it's part of my language, but you're fucking them. Yeah. Like, really, you're you're putting your team in such a bad position. You're not even giving them a chance to win. The, the play is lost before the ball is even snapped. Yep. And I guarantee you, when that young man went to the sideline, the coach told him, play harder, be more aggressive, back up, or, or <laughs> something of that nature. And it's like, no, coach, call a different play. Put that somebody else on you. On. That's on that, you. That is on you, coach. That's on you. And it's just so frustrating seeing that because – you know, like I know, they say the film in the sky doesn't, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Yep. When you cut that film on, these NFL scouts that are great in this young man, they don't care nothing about how bad of a call it was. All they seen was this young man get beat for a touchdown numerous times. And it's like, come on, coach. Like, And I think, Cody, I think the worst part about it too is that you don't even have nobody trying to reroute these receivers. That's, that's the... you. <laughs> You allowing a receiver to go full speed on a safety. You have nobody re trying to reroute. I don't know what it is in college, but when it came when it comes to the slot position in college, I don't know. Do do do, do coaches not like to reroute receivers or something no more? Because I, I don't see it that much as as I, as you're supposed to. That's the most frustrating thing as well to go along with the bad matchups is when you see these shifty elite slot receivers being covered up by linebackers but they're not touching them they're just covering them up and then it's a free release to the safety and it's like man what do you want that safety to do he's an elite receiver for a reason it's hard to and watch I, and man. i give you a little story it's, man. it's hard so, to watch so i know i know coaches man all over the place right so i i'll tell you last year there was times when i would hit these coaches up and i would say please do not let 
these linebackers, just let these linebackers and safeties off the hook by them guarding your slot receiver. Right. I gotta pick on this, 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 this young man all day long. I'm gonna pick on his ass all day long. I throw every ball at this at, at, at this matchup until the, the defense adjusts and get it right. And that's you do you're doing them a favor offensively when you don't go at the receiver versus linebacker, receiver versus uh safety matchup. You're doing the defense a favor. You let them off the hook. And the unfortunate thing about that as a defender, and I've been in this position before is the only thing that's gonna get them off of you when they start going at you is you making a few plays. Yep. One play isn't gonna get them off of you. Uh-oh. Two two plays isn't gonna get them off of you. They're gonna keep going at it until you can consistently stop it. Yep. Yep. So man, we, we talked about uh, these matchups that we had last week. Now I wanna get into the only two teams uh, that we have undefeated in 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 the ACC. <laughs> Who would have ever thought? <laughs> and and um, talk about the college football playoffs a little bit. But right now, Wake Forest, uh, who who I think Dave Clawson has done a great job there. I like their quarterback Sam Hartman. I think he's good. Christian Bill Smith, running back, is good too. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a receiver, uh, Jaquari Robinson, and At Perry, big boy, who can play the game of football. And when you look at Boston College, Jeff Halfley. Solid offensive line. I think one of the better offensive line, if not the best offensive line in the ACC. Dennis right. Grosso taking over for Djokovic, uh, Zay Flowers, those guys. But when you look at the ACC and Wake Forest and BC being the only two teams undefeated, and then you look at the big spectrum, the big the big picture, right, college football. Do you think right now the ACC will get any team into the college football playoffs? If, you, if you're viewing everything, say I'm going to put it like this. You're on the committee. Mm-hmm. You're on a committee right now. Right. And we have rankings coming out. Do you see at any point right now? Well, I won't say any point. Do you see what you've seen so so far transpired in the ACC? Do you see any team getting to the college football playoffs? I don't. And, and I, 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 and I, and I, and I have to agree that. with you. I don't because the top team in the ACC right now is Clemson. What are they? Nine. I think they just, they just slid down three spots after a win. And it's not that I don't feel Clemson will continue to improve and become an elite team. I don't think they're going to have a staple win or enough staple wins that's going to propel them against some of, propel them ahead of some of these other teams. I mean, you thought Virginia Tech was going to be that. They just lost to West Virginia. North Carolina, they're playing well now, but they lost to Virginia Tech to start the Mm -hmm. season. Miami. Oh, don't get me started on them. We don't even have to get started on them. I mean, I just I don't see it happening, bro. And I, I hate to say that, but unless something unless something funky happens in college football. It's, it's just hard. Like who who who's gonna have enough wins against staple opponents to make their case? Look, right now, like, help me out. Nope, nope, nobody. Nobody. There I, I the ACC is not in a good spot right now. I'm just, we got to be honest. We got to tell the truth. The ACC right now is not in a good spot when it comes to the college football playoffs and looking ahead. Um, now I hope this league starting this this week can start to get things going. Right now, if, you, if you're if you Clemson or North Carolina, you got to root for West Virginia, I mean, a, um, a Wake Forest in a Boston college until you play those guys. Right. You, you got to root for them. You got to root for Virginia Tech to continue to win until you possibly playing. I don't know if Virginia Tech plays Clemson this year or not. 
I can't remember off the top of my head. I know North Carolina doesn't play Clemson. I don't think so. But you just got to root for these teams. Hell, maybe my Louisville Cardinals may even be, you know what I'm saying? We play Clemson right now. Hey, Louisville offense right now look better than Clemson. That's a fact. And, and I, fact. I can sit up here and say that. That's an absolute fact. And speaking on Wake Forest <laughs> Boston College, not taking nothing away from them, but it's like, look at their competition. Look who they play. So yeah. it's like, we don't have nothing strong to stand on. That's why me and you both alike felt that Georgia game was so important for Clemson because we knew, now obviously we, we, we didn't predict that the ACC was gonna struggle this much out the gate but we knew what we were stacked up against as a conference. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it could have went any worse in my humble opinion. Like, so we'll see, we'll see. But it's it's a tough, steep hill we're climbing. Oh yeah. Because all the teams that are in front <laughs> of us, like just look at the SEC teams. If they lose, you got to look at the competition that they're losing to, you know? And, they, and listen, in Arkansas, has stepped up their play. Ole Miss has stepped up their play. Um, Florida, with that surprising, listen, they surprised opened a lot of eyes against sure. Alabama. For sure. Uh, you have Texas A&M. You have Bama. So you you got a lot we going on in the, in the SEC, man. But I want to get I want to get into a few matchups this weekend. Number one, Wake Forest. I think this Wake Forest game versus Virginia is going to be huge. Right now, Virginia's favorite in that game by four, the total for that game is 68. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Wake Forest with the simple fact that if they can figure out how to not stop the pass game of Virginia and Brendan Armstrong, but minimize it a little bit or get key stops, I think they can win that football game just because Virginia is so one dimensional. Who you got in that one? I got Virginia, man. And I, and I hate to say that because then it knocks us back down as a conference. <laughs> yes, you know, okay. I, I would love to see Wake Forest win, but I just don't see them being able to do anything with Armstrong. And I think he's going to be the best player on the whole field. And I think their secondary has a bounce back game and handles what they need to handle on defense. Okay, next game we have, we have my Louisville Cardinals. Grit! Where you at? Grit! They showed that grit this last week, baby. We're going to show grit again. Now, Louisville plays Florida State. Hmm. Oh, geez. Florida State has started 0-3. Uh, I think since the first time, I think may have been since Bobby Bowden became head coach. If I, I, I don't know the exact uh, situation on that, but it's been a long time since Florida State started 0-3. They have a possibility to start 0-4 against my Louisville Cardinals. So Louisville's favorite in that game, two and a half. The over, uh, the, well, the total for that game is 62 and a half. But before we make our picks, man, I want to talk about a little subject, man. Um, will and should Florida State hire Deion Sanders as their next head coach? Will they? I don't know because of how the politics work out and I don't know that side of the business. Should they? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because he's one of the greatest players in Florida State history. And hell, he can't do no worse than they're doing right now. <laughs> It, it can't get no worse. Can't get no worse, baby. <laughs> I guarantee you those guys will step on the field with a with more swag than they got right now. And you know confidence is half the battle. Yep. You know, so 
I think it's a no brainer. I don't know why they didn't hire him when the he first time around. The first time around when he said he wanted to be a coach. So I don't know what the hell Florida State is waiting on, but you can't get no worse. And it and more so than anything, I think that will bring some excitement for the fans. I think he can get them back in you a little bit more, give them something to look forward to. So what do you what's your and, 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 and I, I think I think they should, right? Simple fact that Dion was a, a prominent figure there in Tallahassee, right? Did some great things, played under Bobby Bowden, uh, has that foundation. Um, I think he loves those, those those young men and making a difference in their lives. Uh, I like Coach Prime, man. You know what I mean? Uh, I think if Dion is at Florida State, I think the I think the rest of college football better be worried because the kids that come out of the state of Florida and going to all these other schools now, they won't be leaving the state of Florida anymore. I think they'll be going to Florida State to play for Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, Coach Sanders, Coach Prime. That's where they're going. And for a guy who can give right. these young men uh, knowledge, can be a father figure to them, uh, can let them know the ins and outs of the business and how to get to the next level. Uh, I think he'll bring a, 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 an amazing staff over with them. And you're going to be coached by the best. You're going to be coached up by some of the best coaches. But right. those young men from the state of Florida will be looking to go to Florida State and not leaving the state of Florida. Dion, Coach Prime, is the head coach there in uh, Tallahassee. So who you, pick, you look- who, who you picking for this one? <laughs> That's a serious question. <laughs> until until Florida State figures out who their quarterback is, <laughs> I don't see them. I don't see them beating anybody. But McKenzie like, Milton had another rough one, boy. He had another rough one. <laughs> he had another rough one, man. Until they until they figure out who their quarterback is, and we said this on the very first first episode before the season started. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Mm-mm. Louisville well. for sure has a quarterback, and he's played better every single week. He didn't, he, he played bad that first week against Ole Miss, but ever since then he has gotten better. And to be honest with you, the only thing keeping him from really taking this team places is his turnovers. If he can just start taking care of the ball, which is easier said than done, but I want to go back to Dion one, one quick moment. Mm -hmm. Another reason why they need Dion, like you said, he loves the kids. Look how grown men in the NFL and grown men that are retired look up to him and interact with him, whether it's Tyron Matthew that's playing right now, whether it's Patrick Peterson, whether it's Chad Ochocinco. Pac-Man Jones. Whether it's Pac-Man Jones, whether it's A.B., him helping him get get his life back together. Like That means something when guys of that stature look up to this man as a father figure and trust him and know they can depend on him. That means the world. So the fact that Florida State even went in a different direction just blows my mind. I feel you on that. Last game we got, your Clemson Tigers versus the NC State Wolfpack. Now, this game is at NC State, which is a – I don't know. Now, listen, listen. It's, tough this, it's a tough place. Now, Clemson's favorite by nine and a half in that game. The total for that one is 47 and a half. Nine and a half? I'm going – They yes. That, I was like, what, what damn film they watching? Film Vegas watching. My goodness. <laughs> right, right. But I got. I, I just. I. I think. I think Clemson has. Opt- I'm going to NC State, man. I'm going to NC State in this one. I'm going to NC State, bro. I am I'm, shocked. I'm I going to NC State, man. But you know, only, only because that I, I don't. 
I don't I don't know if Clemson can even score. Like NC State's right. defense is better than Georgia Tech's defense. Right. Right. So I, I, I don't right. know. I'm going with Clemson. And the reason why I'm going with Clemson is because I expect I expect that amazing defense to stop that two-headed monster that they got mm-hmm. running the ball. And I think that's the key to North Carolina State's whole existence. And mm-hmm. I honestly, I can truly say this. I expect the offense for Clemson to score three touchdowns. Okay. I and if that, that offense, if that offense can score three touchdowns, I think. Damn, Cody, you're gonna have me coming in here next week telling everybody I was wrong. Hey, but I don't have pride issues. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Hey, you gotta state the, it. Hey, that's, that's the that's the beauty of being married and being a father, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, absolutely. we wrong, we wrong. Clemson's offense, it can't get much worse. So we have have nothing to do but look up. But North Carolina State is a tough place to play, man. I remember my senior year, we went in there highly ranked, um, and they beat us to third place. Mm. Yeah, man. So So that's what we got this week, y'all. We got those three games that we just mentioned. There's a lot of other games that's going on in the ACC. So we'll join y'all next week. Thank y'all for listening to us and being tuned in. We'll see y'all next week. Love, we appreciate y'all.